Good morning and welcome to the Monday Main Point. It is Monday, September the 27th, 2021. Uh, and we are here at Rose of Sharon Baptist Church. Uh, I'm Jonathan Hendrickson, the associate pastor here. I'm joined with our entire pastoral staff, uh, which includes Jeremiah Custer, our youth pastor, Blake Flincham, our children's pastor, and Jeff McCarthy, our senior pastor. We're continuing to talk uh, uh, this week um, about agape. We, we're, uh, Jeff has been doing a, ser- a sort of mini sermon series on agape and uh, different ways in which we can agape uh, or, or love, sacrificially love uh, one another, our enemies, our neighbors, as we talked about last week. And then this week, we're going to talk about agape in terms of loving God. Uh, what does it mean to love God with all of our being? And that was sort of the, I think that was actually the title of the sermon this past Sunday was love God with all your being. And so um, this largely comes from, or the text that Jeff uh, took his message from was Mark chapter 12, um, verses 28 through 34, I believe. And um, uh, we'll, we're going to go through that a little bit at a time here. Um, it begins with, and I, uh, as you, as per usual, when we look at the gospels, there's uh, a Pharisee or a lawyer or a scribe or somebody who comes up to Jesus and asks him a question, right? I mean, this happens a lot. Uh, one of the scribes, um, it says, having heard them reasoning together in Mark 12, 28, um, uh, who, what's happened just before this? Do we? Yeah, I just uh, in in the first point, just kind of set the context. I didn't really go into what all the debate was, but uh, clearly there've been uh, several different groups debated with Jesus. The first group was the Herodians, and they had a big debate about taxes. Okay. You know whether to pay taxes to Caesar or not, and of course you know the image on the coin, give that to Caesar. And then the Sadducees came up, and uh, they had the big thing about the resurrection. Uh, and so that was clearly things that they were interested in. Then prior to that, you know, Pharisees and all, like you said, have been asking him stuff. And so after those questions and all, um, then the scribe comes right comes and to it, Jesus. And it seems like he's sincere, though. He does about, seem. That's what I was yeah. going to say. Unlike some of these others who are constantly trying to trap Jesus with their questions, he hears Jesus reasoning with these others, apparently is interested in what he hears, and Mark says he perceives that Jesus had answered them well. He mm-hmm. thinks, okay, th- those are good answers. He's, he's actually onto something here. And having perceived this, he asked Jesus this question, which is a good question. Mm-hmm. Which is the first commandment of all? And, um, you know, we might look at that and go, okay, was he talking about the Ten Commandments? Is he talking, what, what, you know, what's he talking about here? When he says, which is the first commandment of all? And why would he even ask that question to begin with? Yeah, and then on the, the again, with the uh, background, with him being a scribe, kind of explain, you know, what his duty was and that he, you know, they, they became the preservers of the word. But also because of that, they became experts in the word and the law. And then they would be the ones they would call on for like subtle questions or right. interpretations. And that made him a part of the Sanhedrin as well. Um, and so... Obviously, this would be something, if I was devoting my life to the law, then obviously I would want to know what would be the most important commandment for me to follow. Right, because the the question of which is the first commandment or or in some, some or which is the greatest commandment of all, 
the question you're really getting at there is what is the what sort of the foundation of what's right mm -hmm. right what is because if i know what the greatest commandment is then it stands to reason that all other commandments are going to be governed by it so if, <clears throat> if i'm a, like you said if i'm an expert in the law and i want to try and get to the bottom of um um, you know how to best interpret the law. If I'm, if I'm a, let me expert in the Constitution, this, right? If I can't keep this greatest one. What would be the point of keeping the other? Ones? Right. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna be a Supreme Court justice and I'm gonna interpret the Constitution, and then I need to know by what standard am I, am I measuring that? Right. What standard is sort of the, 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 the main standard by which I'm going to interpret the main lens I'm going to look at the Constitution through. And I think the scribe is earnestly asking, what is that for all these commandments? And, and you got to remember, uh, you guys have studied this more recently than I have. How many commandments is it that, that, the, that the Jews actually had? 613. 613. So it's not just 10 commandments. We're talking about right, 613 so you got the 10 laws. commandments, then you got Leviticus and Deuteronomy, which was... Uh, extrapolating from that, explaining how how these commandments work, and then they added other commandments in order to keep these right well, through their tradition. Yeah. They had other things as well. So you're looking at all these laws, this book of the law. Which one is the greatest? Is what this guy's asking. Yeah. And um, so so then Jesus answers him, and he says, um, and we'll just look at this from uh, 29 through 32 in the NKJV here. But Jesus answers him and says, The first of all the commandments, or the greatest of all the commandments, is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And then he goes, And the second, like it, is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And so the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you've spoken the truth, for there is one God and there is no other but he. And he actually says more than that, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But initially, though, Jesus is saying the greatest commandment or the first commandment is this Shema, right? Which is the... Um, this idea that the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And that comes from, I think you actually quoted it from Deuteronomy 6. 6. Yeah. So we know um, this is a primary commandment for the Israelites. Jeremiah, why, help, help our listeners understand, why was this such a big deal for the, for the Hebrew people that, that this commandment of, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Yeah, so it's uh, it becomes a very creedal statement that they uh, it actually says in uh, <clears throat> it actually says in Deuteronomy six that they're supposed to take this statement and Jeff quoted all this yesterday in the sermon. You're supposed to put it on your your door mantles and write it on your your wrist and write it on your forehead and it, basically when you wake up quote this when you. Uh, teach it to your kids, teach it to your grandkids, teach it to everyone, right? Right. It becomes this creedal statement. But I think one of the main reasons this becomes this creedal statement is because of the the context that Israel is in. They're in these other ancient Near East religions and ancient Near East civilizations that all are very heavily uh, polytheistic. Right. And not just polytheistic, but also... Uh, they worship a lot of idols. So they have tons of gods, tons of idols. Uh, just think of like Egypt and how they have the sun god, the moon god, the rain god, the bull god, and mm -hmm. all kinds of uh, gods. They're polytheistic. And so for 
Israel, it was important that they had this creedal statement about who their God is and how he's one and he's the most high God and then how to serve him. Well, you love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right. And it, and it denotes mm. something that we forget that's super important is that this God is relational and personal. Mm. You, can, you can talk to him and have a relationship with him. Mm. He's not like other gods who are distant and... and uh, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Not transcendent, like deistic. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. He uh, deism is those who uh, say that God would create uh, and, and then kind of it, right? walk away from it. He yeah. creates and then uh, lets them do their own thing. So right. he's distant. He doesn't have a relationship with them. Doesn't really care. Yeah, I think actually you do mean transcendent. Transcendent meaning that transcendent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, transcendent meaning that he's outside. Of space time gotcha, yeah. and imminent is is it because we believe that God is both transcendent and the fact that He's outside of space and time, but He's also imminent and that He's with us. He's gotcha, He's actually yeah. in space time with us as well. So, um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I, and and the commandment is the commandment part of the Shema is the you shall love, right? It's a it's that that's the commandment. Why should he, he tells you why you should love the Lord your God because the Lord our God the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Um, and I've got a question here on this because I want to think, and I may be wrong here, but uh, and you guys are gonna have to help me out. I think that it's that if you go to Deuteronomy, and we can look at this, if you go to Deuteronomy, mind is not part yeah, of it. Yeah, Deuteronomy 6, 5. And I didn't really point that out in the message, but yeah, it's the Shema is heart, soul, and strength. Heart, soul, and strength. So I guess with um, the New Testament, uh, so Jesus mind was included because your audience is broader now and you got Hellenistic ideas and teachings. Perhaps. It's interesting though. I mean, this isn't, this isn't something that, that somebody else has come up with. Jesus is saying this. Yes. So we, we understand if this is the words of Christ saying this, Blake, then clearly it was important. Um, mind was important as, as an addition. Uh, any, any thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I, I'll echo what you said. I mean, it's obviously a you know, when we're reading scriptures, very important to observe things, and this is something that you all, obviously it's a not a doesn't contradict. Jesus just uh, fulfills right. it. Yeah, he's just fulfilling more of it, and by you know adding more into it, clarifying it, and what he's saying. I think it's important to notice that. Um, I think why he says mind. I mean, I think he's really just getting across to the point at foundationally bottom line is just love God with all your being, like Jeff said. Yeah, you know I mean, and your mind is an extra part of your being right um and, and we'll get into that with the second point when we start talking about the the different parts of how you know can't, we can't compartmentalize all this but that we that, that when we talk about soul mind strength and heart we're really talking about our our whole being yeah you know um go ahead you were no no, no i was agreeing it's like that dichotomy right yeah and something we didn't, you didn't hit on yesterday because it really wasn't part of what you were looking at. But uh, it's worth it's worth noting here is is it is interesting that Jesus, the, the question comes to Jesus, which is the greatest commandment? Which one is the first of all commandments? Mm-hmm. And he says, this is the first of all the commandments, but the second is equally important. Is like it, and the second is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
And then he says, there's no other commandment greater than these. So are we supposed to take those as one, uh, like in, in equal authority to one another, even though Jesus is clearly giving first priority to one and second priority to the other? Or is, is Jesus trying to, is, is Jesus saying something here that, that's important for us to pick up on? Um, do, you, do you follow my question? Well, if I wouldn't have done, done love your neighbor as yourself, I would have really yeah. brought the two together. But we already did that. And, yeah. and our conclusion from last week was, well, you can't really do this if you don't have the first one. Right. So we kind of went backwards. Right. But yeah, so if I'm going to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I'm not going to just become a hermit monk. It's just going to be me and God on this hill, and that's it. And I can't let anything invade our space or our relationship that that's going to be lived out then mm-hmm. out into the world we go into and the best way to demonstrate that love is to love people as yourself to love your neighbors yourself um and so i think it's it's just an expression of if i've, if I've got if i've got the number one uh, horizontal going i mean vertical, vertical going, right then my horizontal's got to work i can't i can't I can't just say I love God and it doesn't affect my life and how I live my life. Yeah, so, yeah. So there is a big connection. There. Right. Jeremiah, you and I were talking earlier um, about the sort of um, sister passage to this, I guess, if you want to call it that, in Matthew, and how um, Jesus summarizes this with a pretty interesting phrase. I'll let you talk about that. Yeah, so a few things from Matthew 22. We were just talking about it. Uh, Matthew 22 actually leaves out strength. So it says all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind. It doesn't mm-hmm. say with all your strength. Mm. Uh, so I just thought that was interesting. But no, at the end, uh, we'll, we'll talk about Mark's ending to like this whole little uh, pericope or par- paragraph uh, in a second because I think it's unique. And the unique part of this one is he, after he says in verse 39 of Matthew 22, he says, and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But then he says in verse 40, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Yeah, they all hang on that. Mm-hmm. They all hang there. And basically what it's saying is, is this is the summary of the entire law. If you could rightly keep these two laws, just these two, then you've kept the entire law. And what happens is, is we fail. We, we right. fail miserably at keeping both of these two laws. And so what God has to do is say, Here's some other laws to help you keep the, the real laws. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's uh, if you're going to love your neighbor as yourself, you can't lie to them. You can't cheat on them. You can't take their wives. You can't so mm-hmm. on and so forth, right? And so it, it becomes clear to me that the entire law hangs or depends on these two. Mm-hmm. That we wouldn't even need the rest of the law if we could do these two. Mm-hmm. Not only the law, but the prophets as well. Yeah. Right? So like, So what... It's interesting that you would say that on, on, on these two commandments hang of the law and the prophets. Um, well, is, is that, I mean, is that, am I, am I making something up there? Or I, it feels like that's significant. I mean, like, because when I think of the prophets, I think of um, all the messages that God was sending to his people um, in, in regards to how they were supposed to love, how they were supposed to behave, how they were failing to do so, and how he would send. A Messiah, basically. The prophets are constantly talking about this yeah. Messiah, you know, or consistently talking about this Messiah that would come, who would set to rights all this sort of thing. Because, and I think that's important because of what you just said a moment ago. We can't keep either of those two commandments. 
And we can't keep Blake the rest of the commandments that they gave us on top nope, of that. Not but like, like he says, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, you're not gonna be able to do that. So here, don't lie to your neighbor. And we're like, uh, I'm gonna lie to my neighbor. So, <laughs> um, so like, uh, it seems as though we can't do any of this. No, we can't. And it's a, uh, and you know, you can't. Uh, he he went from six hundred thirteen to ten to two. To put that, to put our depravity in perspective, mm. you know, he put, I mean, he shrunk it by 611 laws and it still can't keep them. Right. And I think that shows us the importance of our need. Mm. I think that points to our need. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really hard for, I think, a lot of Americans to understand because we feel like we don't need much. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny, Jeff. You know, because we have a lot. Uh, let me explain it. Oh, go ahead. Uh, we have a lot. You know, we don't feel like we need God. Right. You know, we feel like we have all this need for this extra stuff, but we don't feel like we need God. But clearly, when it comes spiritually, we can't keep two commandments. Right. You know, that's like your parents giving you two things to do. You know, you have one job, and that's to keep two laws. And, you know, I think of that meme that said you have one job, you know, mm-hmm. and our one job was to get, and we screwed it up. Right. So that's why this points to a need. Well, I mean, we, we humans could even keep one law no, about no, not no. eating fruit yeah. from a certain tree. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, but, yeah. But what I was going to say, Jeff, is, you know, I think there's – it's so funny to me that, that people try to – people who don't want to rely on Christ for their salvation and they feel like at some level that they should be responsible for their own actions or what have you. I've told you guys before about a friend, my friend in college who said – I don't want to depend on somebody else to fix something that I should be able to fix myself. Mm. Um, and and his whole point was, I should be able to live this way. I should be able to do these things, and I should be able to be a good person. Um, you know, I I, I fail. I, I try and I try and I fail and I fail. And 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 I think it's because and it's funny because all these people were trying to do it. In accordance with all these other laws, many laws, and the, and and the truth of the matter is, it comes down to these two, and we can't even do two. We right. can't even do two. And I think that's why all of it hangs on that—the law and the prophets—because everything's pointing to Christ, mm. who does show up on the scene, who does fulfill it one hundred percent, who does step into our place for us, yeah. so that in our weakness and in our sin, when we rely and trust upon him then now we've actually fulfilled the law when we trust him uh, with all of our being and say hey i can't save myself i can't keep these things i'm going to humble myself call you lord and have a relationship established in my heart and life through you Mm -hmm. and so so that's um that's where it's important to that that we can't do this we do need a savior we do need a go-between and then once we have christ in our life uh, the commandment is still there. Right. So then that helps me check myself to say, am I really loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Mm-hmm. Or are there areas of my life that I've got to turn back over to Him because mm. it's a struggle? Mm-hmm. And then the second part then, and then am I, how am I doing that with everybody else around me? Am I right. doing the same thing? And then, of course, we're going to fail miserably. But because we have Christ and He's fulfilled it all, we can go back to people regardless if they accept our forgiveness or whatever and say, hey, look, I, I messed up or I didn't treat right. you with respect. And so it gives us an opportunity to, to try to live up to it. Yeah. Not for salvation, but as part of just trying to be a representative 
of this God we're following now, this one true God that's calling us to do the same thing. Yeah. And I've said it before. Um, you know, I've heard uh, J.D. Greer, a well-known pastor here in the RDU area, um, say that the law was like an x-ray. Um, it only kind of exposed the need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it exposed the need, but didn't necessarily offer the solution. But, right. you know, Jesus comes along and offers the solution. Yeah. 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 You know, it kind of goes back to the guy last week. In his mind, he thought he had number one worked out mm-hmm. when he asked the question, who's my neighbor? Right. So, so um, that's we're, we're, in our mind, we're thinking, well, I have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And, um, but at the same time, is he really the Lord of all my heart, right. Right. all my soul, that's a good question. all my mind, all my strength? Those are the, that's how we work out our salvation. That's how we determine if I'm trying to, really live this life to the full, not out of legalism and right. all that, which is what they did with the Shema. <clears throat> it became this whole, I've recited it, and it, the words have meaning, but as far as it goes then. And yeah, they set up all these other rules and regulations, and they try to live a life um, according to these rules mm-hmm. instead of according <clears throat> to a relationship with God, which is based on love. Yeah, and I, I, I think I think the distinction we're making here is really important is that um, when we're talking about these commandment, these two commandments that, that Jesus is, is is pointing out, for the unbeliever, for the one who has yet to surrender their life to Christ, it's impossible to keep these things. Mm-hmm. For those who have surrendered their life to Christ, recognizing that they 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 can't be righteous on their own, that the only righteousness they have, the only righteousness that they have is the righteousness of Christ in them. That's how we keep those commandments. That's how we live this out. And we don't live it out perfectly Not either. Still, yeah. um, and so, so you know, the, the, the I think that there's there's in some ways there's two different messages here, right? On, on, on one on one hand, there's the message of okay, this is God's commandment. It's the greatest commandment, and you can't keep it. <laughs> you can't do it. Um, and so, but on the other hand, there is there's the message that says, okay, this is the greatest commandment. Jesus came so that you to to help you fulfill this and now you want to live your life in such a way that you're reflecting that and so i just think that there's it's it's two different understandings of this do you get what i'm saying jeremiah yeah for sure one one understanding is that christ lives in me christ accomplishes this law fulfills this law through me and in me Mm -hmm. and another is it's the false way and it's the wrong way to think about it is is I've got to keep these two laws so that I can earn God's favor. Right. And that's, first off, it's impossible, but also it's it's called legalism, and it's 100% wrong, and it'll, it, it just leads to frustration because you won't be able to do it, but you're going to continue trying because you think that's what God wants from you. And right. really, He wants full surrender, full heart, which is kind of the ending of uh, Mark's little paragraph. Here. Right. And the thing is, is that the reason why it's impossible is for the next two points that you pointed out. Because to love God with all our being requires two things. And Jeff pointed both of these out. And we'll look at these individually. But one is complete obedience. Something we're incapable of doing. I mean, to love God with all our being requires complete obedience. But it also requires a total commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, both of those things are things that we, we want to look at in detail here. So let's look at this requiring complete obedience and why you might say that. Because, and, and, and this goes back to the, the Jesus' answer of, uh, that he gives him in 30 and 31 <clears throat> of what the great commandment is. And, and um, 
and how that it's you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Okay, that doesn't leave a lot of room. But I like what you said is that the Jewish people, and I would argue even people today, who would look at this and go, okay, that's all I got to do? Okay, I, I can do this. Um, they compartmentalize these things as though they're individual things. Okay, I'm loving God with all my heart, um, and I think I've got my soul covered. <laughs> um, and my strength, I don't know, maybe maybe my actions, I, I could love him a little bit more with my actions. And my mind, I really need to work on that part, right? It, but that's not what Jesus is trying to get at at all here, is it, Jeff? Yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's a totality of being. Yeah. And uh, when we compartmentalize a life, which we all do that, you know, uh, and we see that in modern Christianity, especially here in America, you have the Sunday morning Christian, I live my life, I give Jesus my heart, and I did my Christian thing, but now I'm at work, mm. my ability and strength, and I'm using my mind, but I'm using it more for me and to achieve. But I got my I got my heart thing right with God, so that's good. Right. But this is my area over here. Yeah. And so that's that's how we do it, and we compartmentalize it, and we forget that no, in my job and in my abilities at work or whatever I'm doing in life then I still have to be a total immersed Christian mm. living out obedience to God. And that means how am I going to treat my customers, my fellow co-workers, my employees or my employer, all that other stuff. Yeah. So yeah. so we can't separate ourselves from it. I and mean, right. it's like being married and just saying, hey, I want to be a weekend husband. But, you know, I got other things going on. I give you half my heart. But, you know, you just it's not it's not doable. Right. It's interesting. Um, I've often heard pastors say uh, and, and preachers say that you know you've got to give him in order to be a christian you've got to give him every area of your heart that you can't hide you can't you can't keep anything back and i and, and i agree with that i'm not not saying i disagree but i think for the same reasons you just said does that mean that i give up my personality as well does that mean i'm no longer myself um guys that 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 i I lose me when I become a Christian. That I am no longer I, but I'm I'm it's, I'm just I'm just Christ, like Paul said. Or is it or 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 is there still a part of me that's Jonathan, that's uniquely Jonathan, and all that that means to be Jonathan, um, but also belongs to Christ? I talked a little bit about this in my uh, Wednesday night study. Um, we're doing on evangelism because uh, a lot of people, when it comes to living for Christ. Or specifically an evangelist, you know, a lot of people think you have to be an extrovert, uh, you know, great public speaker. Some people God hasn't gifted with public speaking. You know, mm -hmm. some people God has made introverted. But, and like if he's created you to be introverted, like be introverted, but use your circle of friends, you know, to witness. You know, if you want to just go to circle of friends, go to your circle of friends. If you want to go talk to complete strangers in your personality, God's wired you to do that, go talk to strangers. Mm -hmm. I say that as an example to say that um, God's created everybody uniquely with their own individual gifts and own individual like talents <clears throat> and whatnot, and that um, they're still a part of you, but you forsake the... You try to leave your life of sin and go to Christ. Right. Yeah. Get, right. And, and along those lines, Jeremiah, I'm thinking about Jeff's analogy of marriage, right? Um, I'm married to Christina, and and that changes a lot of things about who I am, right? It changed, I, in fact, 
there's very little that I can do that doesn't affect what I'm doing that I'm doing with my wife because the Bible says you know to become one right we're 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 supposed to act as one flesh in some ways um, and yet I'm still uniquely Jonathan I mean there's still there's still a part there's a part of me in the marriage that is Jonathan is is that the way you think it is with us in Christ or is it or is it something more where he assumes even more of our of of, of our personhood yeah I think a similar example like at the moment when when we both had kids me and Jonathan I am no longer ever not a father mm, right but does that change my personality does that change who I am at the core no it kind of adds to who I am now that's not necessarily how Christianity works. Christianity teaches that that we become a new creation. There, right. there are things that are new. Uh, the whole fact that you're born again, right? There are, like, you, you can't, if you're born again, that means you're made new. You're made fresh, right? But I think the better way maybe to understand it, like, you are a new creation. So there's things that about you that fundamentally change. Your essence changes mm-hmm. uh, fundamentally. But does that mean you you lose your personality? No. And so I think what what really changes is who you belong to, okay. who has redeemed you, or who 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 owns you. I hate saying who owns you, but who you belong to. I used to belong to Jeremiah. Jeremiah made all the decisions. Jeremiah was Lord. Jeremiah was master. Jeremiah was selfish, and he could make all the decisions, right? But when you become a Christian. You no longer belong to Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. You belong to Christ. And he is master. He is sovereign ruler. He is the one who pulls the strings, right? And sometimes Jeremiah, old Jeremiah pushes back. But at the same time, I belong to Christ. Ultimately, I belong to Christ. So I'm going to keep my own personality. Although I think even some of that at least tweaks and changes. Sure. Because uh, part of Jeremiah's personality I wanted to get rid of, and I'm happy that is is, is happening over time. So. Right. Jeff, you experienced this even more probably so than the three of us. I think all three of us came to Christ pretty young mm-hmm. in life. You, you came, your testimony is that you came much later mm-hmm. after you'd had some time to live with Jeff at the wheel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, 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 and yet, you know, I know you, and, 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 or I feel like I know you, I, I'm sure that there are parts of Jeff that have certainly changed over the years and changed changed as a result of Christ um, um, taking control of your heart. But at the same time, you know, you're still very much part. You're still very much the Jeff that was there prior to Christ taking control, right? I mean, you're not. Yeah. So what happens is that you have a new identity. Before it was Jeff, you know, and whatever my whatever I chose like the businessman or the fraternity guy or, you know, whatever we, our identities, we attached each other mm-hmm. to ourselves. Um, but then when I became a Christian, I'm still Jeff, but now I'm a Christian. So I'm taking the name of Christ mm. upon me. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm going to call myself a Christian, then I need to, you know, follow Christ's commands and and be obedient to them. Now, the, the problem is we can't because we're not Christ and we can't live up 100%. We're never going to be in, at the point where we're sinless until right. we get, get that opportunity for eternity where we have that glorified body and that change, that new change and everything. So I think what this love, heart, soul, mind, and strength helps us then, not as the Pharisees did, you know, reciting this or compartmentalizing, but then as I look at my heart and my mind and my soul and my strength, I get convicted of areas of my life where, hey, you know, yeah, I've given my life to Christ in totality, but but I've 
creeped into this sin or maybe I became selfish or I've, um, I let things into my mind I shouldn't have or, um, you know, I, 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 I want to do this now and I know I should do this, but I've decided, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to put this to the side because I want to really want to go do this project over here or something like that that mm-hmm. may or may not really be in God's will. And so right. those things work out. And so it's a checkpoint for us to say, you know, am I really giving God all my heart right now? Right. Are there areas that's, that I've, I'm not giving him maybe 80%, things like that? Yeah. It's not that God's going to punish me or is upset with me or the other stuff are, are going to disown me. It's like, hey, you know, come back to me. Right. And uh, so that's our struggle all the way is always always coming back to this, but using these more as a, a guide pose for like uh, Jeremiah was doing I think uh, on on spiritual discipline, so it's more like a discipline in your life that is you. You clearly know. I mean, look, I clearly know when you know I'm not wholeheartedly following Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the flesh comes in. Right. The thing is, when that happens, what are you going to do? Well, right. you confess your sins, mm-hmm. and then if you do um, <clears throat> do something where you know in in your sin that, that affects someone else you try to apologize and reconcile as much as you can and then you you accept that okay i'm i'm back back in good graces right and i'm continuing to to move forward so is it a is it a misnomer is it miscommunication or by the way sorry about the the traffic sounds we've got the windows open today in our in our in our venue um is it a misnomer or a miscommunication then when the when or or can it be misunderstood when when preachers say that that okay well you can't become a Christian unless you give him unless you're willing to give him all of your heart like literally all of it if you can't give him all of it if you if you're holding back a part of it then you're not a Christian well, is is it wrong to say that or is that still accurate so you want to give him all of your heart you know you want to. You want to give them all of your heart, but the process, um, like, there's a process, you know, you're saved, you're justified, but there's a process of becoming more and more like Jesus. Sure. And Colossians, we were just talking before this in Colossians, uh, Paul wanted uh, this church in Colossae to become more like Christ, to become mature in Christ. Right. Um, You know, when we get saved, we're an infant in Christ. You know, we have to grow. You know, an infant's not going to be a full-grown adult. Yeah, to make that spiritual, we're not going to be like a spiritual superhero. Right. You know, we're going to struggle. Right. But we have to uh, discipline ourselves and continue to grow, and we don't want to hinder the process, you know. So, like, uh, let's say, for example, you know, part of my testimony, you know, I hung around bad, bad friends, you know. I don't want to say, yeah, Lord, I'll follow you, but, you know, I can't. You know, I'm not going to leave my friends. I know who are going to break me down. Mm-hmm. You know, for some people, you know, might struggle with alcoholism. You know, it might be like, Lord, I'm going to follow you, but I'm still going to go get drunk with my friends on the weekends. Mm-hmm. You know, I think maybe the teenagers like, yeah, Lord, I'll follow you, but I'm still going to go have sex with my girlfriend or boyfriend on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Those are the parts where, you know, if you are struggling with that, you have to surrender that and do away with that to follow Jesus. Right. You know? And I guess that's the, to, to, to use the terms you're using there, my question is, <clears throat> can one be justified without giving up all areas of their heart, Jeremiah? <laughs> I would probably use a little more tact than saying that, right? Uh, a little more love than saying, look, you're not a Christian if you don't give God your whole heart. 
But right. you, you, you're like me. You've heard. You, know, you, you guys oh, yeah. are all preachers. You've heard that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I've heard that said all, all, like all my life growing up. I mean, um, you know, unless you give him, you can't hold back a single part of your heart. You've got to give him all of it, or you know, you're not his. Yeah, and some of that's accurate, right? Like, like my favorite verse is, "I've been crucified with Christ." Like, old self is dead. Like, we die to self. We we even show that in our. In our baptism, right? Right. You're buried with Jesus in your baptism. So old self is dead. Then there's new Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. And we also, we don't like to say, I, I'll, I'll say me. I don't like to say stuff like asking Jesus to come into my life. Basically meaning adding Jesus to what's already there. Right, right. So like that would entail full surrender. I, I believe in full surrender. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to full surrender perfectly. I think that's where the difference is. At, at the beginning of becoming a Christian, was I wholeheartedly fully surrendered? Well, no. I wasn't even a believer. <laughs> right. uh, I, there is something that fundamentally changes, right? And Christ's righteousness comes and dwells within me. But... And was I capable of surrendering my whole heart at that point before Jesus even came to change me from the inside out? No, like there wasn't this full surrender. But um, Jesus does say, look, before you become a Christian, there's this thing uh, and and we do it all the time, but you should count the cost. Mm -hmm. What is this going to cost me? Uh, And and it does. It costs you your life. Mm -hmm. You die to self. It, it, Galatians 2.20 literally says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ, but Christ who lives in me. me. Mm-hmm. And that's strong language. I get that. Right. But that entails like old Jeremiah is dead. There's a new Jeremiah. And not, not Jeremiah plus Jesus. Like 100% Jeremiah, 100 Jesus. Like, I don't know how to describe it any better than just yeah. keep quoting scriptures yeah. to you that say, die to self, count the cost, uh, I have been crucified with Christ, all those things that right. kind of entail. I just wonder how many people, though. I, it, you know, but it goes, it goes back to the compartmentalized thing. Right. We're like, no, you got to give your whole self to Jesus. I'm like, how else do I give anything but my whole self? <laughs> right? I can't compartmentalize my mind. I'll just give my mind or like we've been talking. I'll just give my weekends to Jesus. Well, no. I mean, if you're going to give yourself to Jesus, then then you give yourself to Jesus. And I think that's kind of what the evangelist of the pastor is trying to say. Because we do say, ask Jesus to come into your heart. Mm-hmm. And as a kid and all, you're always thinking, you know, what does that really mean? Because yeah. the kids are so literal. Like, how's it, is Jesus is in my heart. Mm-hmm. And, and what we really mean is give your life to Jesus. Right. Your whole being to Jesus. Yeah. Now, you may not understand fully 100% that he's your... He's your Savior and Lord. Maybe you surrender like, hey, I want to be saved and I, w- I want to follow him as my Lord. And you say all the right things and everything. And then once you once you surrender and give your life to him, as you begin to grow in Christ, you realize he if he's really the Lord, then yeah, I'm convicted now that these are areas mm-hmm. and things in my life that he's truly not the Lord yet. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just um, you know, it's just a it's just how we live the path, the yeah. way. Uh, with Jesus, yeah, trusting in Him, not in our works. We don't do all this stuff like the like the Pharisees did in order to obtain salvation or to be in right standing with God. We do it because we we want to really fully identify with Him. Yeah, and um, 
And as a result of that, then, then you know, we're still saved. We're still in relationship with him. But it gets stronger and deeper. Right. Yeah. Stronger and deeper. And yeah. I, I think ahead. it can be misconstrued to go back to your – I think it can be misconstrued sometimes. Almost like we have to continue to work for our salvation. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a difference in working for salvation and working out Mm-hmm. our salvation mm-hmm. and what we're always getting at when we say that is work out your salvation right you don't have to work for your salvation because the minute you try to work for your salvation you're basically saying what jesus did on the cross was nullified right, right. But, i mean people you know? work for grace they work for mercy they yeah. work for god's favor they you know the whole prosperity gospel thing is you do these things god's going to bless you in right. return so we make them into transactions when it's not really that yeah you know yeah, and I like what you said. Am I even capable of surrendering everything when I, Jesus hasn't made it possible for me to do so yet? You know, I, I, I like that. I think that's true. You know, there's something else I want to talk about before we move into this third point. Um, you mentioned that in the message yesterday that one of the reasons why we can't compartmentalize this is because, you know, if we did Venn diagrams of heart, soul, mind, and strength, the truth is there's a lot of overlap in all of this. Yeah. Once um, you get into the definitions, you're like, this is saying the same thing. Right. And, and you know, and that shouldn't come as a uh, as a surprise. I, I, I've talked to Jeremiah about this before, um, and I think it was you that told me, and I can't remember which professor it said to you, but discipline in one area of your life leads to discipline in other areas, Right. Um, and so, you know, it, it, if I'm, if I'm, um, if I'm disciplined and trying to, uh, I, I know that those things are connected, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like my physical body is, uh, the health of my physical body will affect the health of my mental body, will affect the health of my spiritual body. Um, it just does. Those things are interconnected and interwoven in such a way because you can't compartmentalize them. I can't be like, well, I've got a really sickly body or I've got a body that's just weak all the time or whatever, and it's not gonna affect my mind because it's going to affect my mind. It's, not, it's going to affect my, my, my soul, my desires, my strength, and all those things. Um, same with vice versa. If, you, if, you're, if your mind is such that your mind is, is weak or you're plagued with a lot of emotional baggage, that's going to affect your spirit. It's going to affect your soul. It's going to affect your your strength. It can actually, it's amazing. I mean, even secular doctors will tell you um, that stress will have massive physiological um, uh, effects for us. It has a physiological impact. If you're stressed out, your body, your physical body is being affected by the stress. And so you can't you can't separate these things yeah, out. It's like living that life of balance. Yes, and, and so if one area of my life is weak, then it's going to affect all areas of my life. Yes, yeah. and so and so I think that's really important here for what you're saying about we can't compartmentalize these. These aren't things that you can say, okay, well I'm doing this and this, but I, I, I'm weak here. What Jesus is really just getting at, and, and you said it well, is that it's just. Love the Lord your God with your life, mm-hmm. with all of your person, with all of your Jeremiah, with all of your Blake, with all your Jeff, with all your Jonathan, whatever, right? Love, love him with all of your life, um, all of your being. So all of your existence as another way, I guess you could say it. But it's not just complete obedience in, in terms of 
that, but it also requires, as you said, a total commitment. Um, and we, we see that, and that just sort of, honestly, this point sort of flows out of the last point. Yeah. It's kind of hard to love him with all of my life if I'm not committed to that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, yeah. I'm, if I'm not really committed to it, then it's, 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 it's hard to do that. It's like you said, to borrow the marriage analogy, Jeff, um, you know, I, I can't, if I'm loving my wife with only half of my heart, then I'm not really totally committed to her. Right. That means that there's another part of me that's like, yeah, but I, 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 like, I like this girl over here too, you know. You and, can't have your cake and eat it too. Right, right. Yeah. And so. Well, the good thing about it is the capacity of the heart to love. You can love God with all your heart. Mm-hmm. But you can also love your wife with all your heart. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Sense. And you love your two daughters with all your, your heart. heart. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, you love Kentucky basketball with all hey, your heart. Hey, yeah, so. well, that's true. <laughs> but like so I said, it's Kentucky like athletics. So the, capacity, <laughs> the capacity is there. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it is. It gives it to us so that we can we can truly, because think about it, if, if, if we say, okay, I love God with all my heart, but that doesn't leave any room for anybody else to come into my heart. That's true. That's why that I think he added that second commandment about your neighbor as yourself. True. Was to show that this is just not a one way street with God. Because if you look at obedience, all the Pharisees are like, "Well, we've been obeying this law. We obey the law." Yeah. But they really haven't committed themselves. One hundred percent. That's kind of what I was trying to get at. That that so the guy knows the law. He's he's devoted himself to the law. Mm-hmm. Right. That's he's a scribe. So he's in his mind he's already done this, but he really hasn't really committed. Yeah, and somehow or another the light goes on. He realizes all oh, this stuff I'm doing. If I could do these things, it's better than you know all the sacrifices and all that stuff. So, right. So, so he was not. Jesus said, "You're not far from the kingdom." Yes. In other words, he he knows now. There's something I've got to do. There's one more step I need to make, and we know it's to be totally committed to Christ totally committed to the Lord and, and he hasn't done that he's committed to the law and keeping the law but he hasn't really committed himself to God yeah and I like I like the end you talked about the pericope Jeremiah the teaching moment uh, or the sort of the, the, the big point right and it, at the end of 33 here I really like it because before Jesus says you're not far from the kingdom this guy says love him with all the heart he does say with all the understanding, and we can talk about that in a second, with all the soul and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than, this is where I think he really gets it, is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. This scribe is getting, Jeremiah, what so many of the, the, the Israelites in the Old Testament missed time and time and time again. They thought it was all about right and ritual, burnt offerings and sacrifices. That's how you love God. You love God by what you do. This, yeah, but this guy is saying, no, I get it. It's better to love him with who I am. Mm. Yeah, so like uh, the most famous... So I believe that he's quoting scripture here, but he's not quoting the same scripture. He's not quoting from the Shema. But he, but in the Old Testament, I actually wrote them all down here. Uh, there's at least five that I came up with where... It's repeated, and it's mostly David's words, but uh, it's repeated that God doesn't care about the sacrifices. He doesn't care about their rituals. He doesn't care about their songs and their their fervence for action and rituals. But God, 
what he wants is a pure and contrite heart or a, mm. a heart that is soft and, and leaning towards him. He wants us. He wants our hearts. He wants our entire beings more than he wants us to do things. Yes. Mm. And I think that that little distinction there from the Matthew version of this is super important. Uh, and I, I like the Matthew distinction. It's super important over there. But for here, uh, it does kind of show that this guy gets it. He, th- he knows that it's, it's not just about following all 613 laws. God doesn't care as much about that as he cares about loving him with his entire being. Right. And I think that's what Jesus looks at him and says, you're not far from the kingdom. Yeah. You're, 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 really, you're, you're getting really close to what, 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 what this is all about. Um, because more than all the, because in the end, Blake, the burnt offerings and the sacrifices are not going to be sufficient. Um, you know, we, we learn about, you know, the, the author of the book of Hebrews points this out in great detail that burnt offerings and sacrifices are not enough. Um, they're, 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 they're an inferior, uh, uh, imita- they're inferior copies and imitations of what, of the one true sacrifice. Yeah, I mean, and if you look throughout the Old Testament, I'm studying really in depth the um, the Pentateuch, what we would call the first five books, the law. Mm-hmm. A lot of these uh, yearly sacrifices, sometimes daily sacrifices, you'd have to do them daily, weekly, yearly. Um, you had to keep doing it over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Moses would have to go and try to make a a, a sin offering, you know, a sin offering for before God. Uh, you have uh, the Day of Atonement. Uh, you'd have a uh, they'd celebrate the Passover every year. The thing is, like, yeah, these were good, but they were never sufficient. Mm-hmm. And but praise God that Christ is sufficient. Yeah. Um, because if he's not sufficient, we just have to keep doing it over and over again and try to attain something that we can never get. But Christ is that perfect lamb of God yeah. who was slain for the sin of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, that's, why, that's why I think that, uh, that you're right, Jeff, when he, when he says it requires a total commitment. You, you can't... It doesn't, it's not just complete obedience, but it's, it's total commitment. It's... You've got to be willing to give him, um, yeah, give him your well, heart. If he could do what Jesus said, mm. there would be no need for a sacrifice. Right. There would be no need for an offering. No. And so, you know, we would all be in, in a right relationship with God and right standing with our neighbors. Yeah. Because we would all be living a perfect love, a godly life. Mm-hmm. Uh and, and it can't happen because the law is pointing to our sinfulness and the mm. sacrifices and all are pointing to a greater sacrifice that mm-hmm. has to be made later. Yeah. Um, which ultimately there is pointing back to Christ. Right. And um, I just thought it was very, very interesting because, you know, that, that whole idea of if you could ask Jesus one thing, what would you ask him? And this guy mm. had the opportunity to do that. And I think he was sincere and I think he really wanted to know the truth. Yeah. And I think he really wanted to understand and that, I think that's why he changed the wording to understand which that synergy where yeah you're right all this comes together he's realizing it's not a mm-hmm. compartmentalized life it's not about things I can do it's not about obeying these laws it's about loving God really in this relationship yeah and so how do you get into that relationship well it takes a commitment yeah yeah it's it's all about relationship right I mean that's that's the thing that if if we could I guess if we could um, 
bottle up Christianity and 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 put it distill it down to one thing that that I wish more people who are outside the church would get is that Christianity is less about religion and more about relationship. Yes. Because I think what happens is so many people think, when they think of the church, they think of religion. And that's because culture and all that has made it into this thing that it's it's a church attendance. It's giving in the offering. It's, it's going and doing these things. And it's living these specific rules. It's following these do's and don'ts. And yes, that that's that that's as Blake said, that's an outworking of what happens, but that's not the core. The core of Christianity is all about a mended relationship. Mended relationships is what we're all about. We're all about reconciling uh our, seeing people reconciled to God and then reconciled to one another. And uh that vertical reconciliation to God and the horizontal reconciliation with others and creation that happens as a result of Christ being in us. Um, that's what it's all about. Um, I mean, religion is, is, is important. It's not that religion is not important. It is. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that we throw religion out um, because religion implies commitment. It implies doing things. And we do need to be doing things in certain ways. Mm-hmm. But Christianity at its core is more relationship than religion. And I think for Christians, and I think I can speak for all of us and Christians everywhere, I think we have to, the reason that a lot of people outside looking in think it's more about religion is because we've made it up here that way. And I think, um, you know, it's, we should reflect on that and see, you know, what can I, how can I make more of my relationship than of my religion? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great application for, a great application for us. Yeah, and a good application for this passage as well, yeah. I agree. All right, well, um, next week we're going to continue on Agape, right? Are well, you... we're going to close everything out with that conversation Jesus has with, with Peter okay. over while they're eating breakfast. Right, and after the ask resurrection. And him if you love me. And uh, it's kind of a little play on the words there when you read it in English. It all says the same thing, but actually Jesus is asking him uh, if he loves him. Mm-hmm. But he uses agape and he uses uh, philia, which is the brotherly love, affection love, mm-hmm. and it's kind of interplayed there. So we're going to take a look at that. All right. That'll be an interesting conversation as well, and I uh, look forward to it. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's session. Um, thanks for tuning in to this one. Uh, make sure and uh, um, share the podcast with those that, that you think might enjoy something like this. And uh, let us know what you think. You can do so by emailing us at rosbcpastors, that's plural, P-A-S-P-A-S-T-O-R-S, at gmail.com. All right, thanks for uh, joining us. Have a great week, and we will see you on the next one. So long.